Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Good morning, Lighthouse Church. I, my name is Boye. I have the privilege of, of bringing the, the message today. Um, first of all, I, I, I want to acknowledge our pastors, Pastor B and, and Pastor Deji, for this opportunity, for, for, for this privilege. Uh, thank you so much, Helen, and I love you guys very much. I, I'm sure you know does. Um, as well, I also want to acknowledge um, all our leadership team members, um, as well as the, as the Dream Team members, uh, God will continue to strengthen everyone and, and encourage each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. And, and of course, especially, I, I want to welcome you if you are joining us for the very first time. Welcome to this Lighthouse family. We are so glad that you are here today. Uh, it is such a privilege to have you in our presence. So um, welcome. As we always say, we do not do life alone. So reach out, join a connect group. I, I know we're, we're already inviting you to all the parties. So um, we're, we're so happy to, to, to have, you, have you here. Let's just say a quick word of prayer before, before we start our conversation today. Heavenly Father, I, I want to thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity Thank you, O Lord Jesus, for the fast period that we're in, for this season, O God, this set time. Thank you because you've been gracious to us, O Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, this morning that you would open our hearts, that our hearts will be fertile soil for your word, O God, that your word will change us, will transform us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, please, at the end, take all the glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Again, I'm, 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 so, I'm so excited to, to be here. Um, this month has been, to say the least, wild. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, but God has been gracious. God has been gracious. So just jumping straight into our conversation today, you know, for the benefit of those joining us for the very first time. So we've been on a journey studying the letters in the Bible, which we've, we've kind of called that we've called the series the letter series right and uh the last two weeks at the beginning of this month uh Tola and Helen introduced the the book of Thessalonians who um introduced the first chapter and Tola talked about made to worship Helen talked about being intentional be intentional two amazing sermons so you can obviously check that out on on any of our platforms YouTube uh Spotify SoundCloud Apple Podcasts so those sermons are there. So for this morning, I am going to move into the second letter that Paul wrote, Second Thessalonians. And our text today will be from the very first chapter, from verse five, from verse four, sorry, to verse five. And I will be reading from the NLT translation. So Second Thessalonians chapter one from verse four to five. I read, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all persecutions and hardships you are suffering. 
and God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. I'm going to read verse 5 again. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. For which you are suffering. Father, help us as we, as we learn from your word today in the mighty name of Jesus. So context. You know, after Paul had sent the, the first letter to the Thessalonica church, um, you know, about the imminent second coming of Christ, you know, the people at the church decided to chill. You know, we're just going to wait for this second coming, um, which in a, in a way it makes sense. And, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if we all knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, I, I feel like everyone would just lock themselves in a room. You avoid any contact so that no one pisses you off and you just, you know, mistakenly do something you're not supposed to do, if, if you want to call it that, right? So they just decided to wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, there was already like false teaching that the day of the Lord had already come uh, and whatnot. And not only that, you know, happenings around the church like persecutions and, and other things justified this message that the people were hearing. They also justified the actions of the people of, of the church at that time, the Thessalonica church at that time. So in, in typical Paul version, he decides to write another letter. You know, I mean, why not, right? So our text is, is, is part of the introductory section of Paul's second letter. But, but I believe even in that introductory se se uh, section, th there is a message for, for you and I today. And as Paul's letters, as we've seen this past few months, he, he starts with his customary greeting, and then he proceeds to thank God for, for the people's faith, their love, their persevering hope. And then he gets to our text, right, where he actually acknowledges <laughs> what the people are going through, right? It's, uh, as I was reading this, it was like, you know, boy, take notes, you know, husband, just jump straight into solution. He acknowledges what they are going through, and then we, we get to verse 5, which I'm going to read a handful of times, just so as we listen to this message that we can also meditate on, on the verse, right? Verse 5 again says, and God will use this persecution to show one his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering, to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. So the past 18 months, two years, however long it has been, um, has been pretty tough. And, you know, for some of us, it might have even been pre-COVID, right? It's just been a long few years or, or, or so, right? Uh, whatever name you want to call it, persecution, trial, challenges, uh, situationships, so that's kind of like a complicated relationship. It's been difficult for a lot of people. People have also experienced loss in their family, their closed ones. It's, it's been a, a really long year or long 18 months, like, like I mentioned. And, you know, one of the things of, um, about challenges or trials that, that are prolonged like this is that they sometimes cause us to lose hope which, uh, in my opinion, is a, is a dangerous place to be for, for, for a believer. Because, you know, the Bible says Christ in us is the hope, 
Christ in us is the hope of glory, is the hope. So when we get to a stage where we're losing hope, it just means that our focus is now on the trial or the persecution, the challenges that we're facing rather than what is in us, which is Jesus Christ, right? So it, it is a somewhat dangerous, dangerous place to be because when believers lose their hope of the future, you know, they result in having no power in the present, no power in the present. And I can't emphasize this enough. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So in order not to lose hope, you know, understanding the purpose of whatever we're going through, I believe is critical, right? If someone told you that, you know, you have to go through this season for this particular reason and after that or something, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, as people say, it, it, it gives you more um, motivation to endure, right? Like the Bible says, for the cross that was set before him, right? It gives you more motivation to endure whatever you're going through. So just understanding that purpose of, you know, the persecution, the trial, the tribulation, understanding what, how you can, you know, in a way benefit or what you can gain from that situation, I think it gives, you know, people the motivation and it gives people hope and it restores hope as well as people go through this these challenging times, which, you know, like I said, uh, it's it's been a long year. It's been a it's been tough. It's been tough for 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 a lot of us. And this brings us to our topic today, which you know I coined from from the from verse five of, of this first chapter of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. So if you want to title the sermon, it's it's called "Worthy of His Kingdom." Worthy of his kingdom. And the plan today is to explore this phrase. You know, in the New King James translation of the Bible, Paul says that you may be counted, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So right off the bat, you know, we already know that we are talking of the kingdom of God in this phrase. So he, as I was looking at this, you know, and researching in spirit of, you know, pity, um, you know, it poses the question, you know, can you be counted unworthy of God's kingdom? You know, and just to be clear, you know, this isn't talking about worthy of entering God's kingdom because we know that the requirement there is John 3, 16, right? Whoever believes, believes Jesus, right? Believe in Jesus. That's the requirement. So it poses that question, but we will dive deeper into this, um, into this, you know, phrase, worthy of, of his kingdom by explaining the the key words in in this topic the first one being worthy and the second one being kingdom uh, and in my mind this is becoming a theme I, I try to explain to so that just explain the keywords to make sure that you know we're all on the same page one and it leaves you know zero room for for assumption so I'm going to start with the with the first one worthy or the idea of being, uh, yeah, the idea of being worthy um, and things like that, right? So I have two definitions here. And the plan is to focus more on the second one. The first one is more of a bonus. The first definition, 
I have here is a person that is notable or important in a particular sphere. A person notable or important in a particular sphere. And then the second one, like I said, which is what we want to focus on today, is having or showing the qualities or abilities, you know, those distinctive attributes that merit recognition in a specified way. I'll say that again, having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. So to explain this further, let's, you know, think of the lifespan, maybe not the entire lifespan, a portion of the lifespan of an individual, right? High school, the person, the individual graduates high school, you know, most people usually go on to a form of higher education, especially if you are from, you know, our background, my background. You know, you go to um, university, college, it might even be trade school, whatever it is, right? So, and usually in these higher institutions, for you to be recognized as a student, um, essentially for you to be admitted into this, into this place, there, there are certain requirements that you need to meet, right? So, so the process goes, goes this way. You, you meet the stipulated requirements, uh, which means that you have the quality or the ability that, that the institution is looking for. Remember our definition, right? You have that quality, that ability, and then you get admitted. The admission means that you know the quality that you have merits recognition, and that recognition is the admission into the school, you know, into the university, into the college, right? And as we know, some of the requirements could be, you know, writing the SAT. Um, you know, we love our standardized exams, the GMAT, whatever it is, right? It's just a way of the higher institution. Um, checking to see if you have the ability or the quality that you have or what it takes to be admitted into, into their school, right? Remember our definition, having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. So we can also think of this in another way, right? A father owns a huge piece of property in, you know, Kanata, yeah, maybe she is Richmond. I know, and for, for his son to, to inherit this land at a certain period, he must fulfill you know, some certain requirements, right? But during this transition period where the son, as in fulfill the requirement, the land is still owned or is in charge by other people um, until the son gets those requirements, and then the son eventually becomes the rightful owner. He becomes worthy of owning, owning that land, right? So we've talked about, you know, high school to university. We've talked about um, a father passing on an inheritance to his son. So let's, let's bring this to Jesus, right? Because at Lighthouse Church, Jesus is our message. Um, so we, 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 we have to kind of, we, we, have to, we have to relate, you know, this explanation to, to Jesus. Uh, and... As I was thinking about this, you know, we, we sing this and we say this a lot. Worthy is the lamb, you know, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. And just, again, so we're on the same page. The lamb here is Jesus, you know, as, as John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 from verse 29, um, you know, it said about Jesus, the lamb, who, the lamb of God who takes away the sin, who takes away the sin 
of the world. So th the question now is, have you ever asked yourself, you know, why is the lamb worthy? You know, why is Jesus worthy? Or do we just sing it? Um, you know, hopefully we have understanding, right? Tola talked about made to worship. One thing that helps our worship is understanding of who we are worshiping, right? So do we just sing it? And, and you need to remember again our definition, and I'm going to say it a few times, uh, just so it sinks in and just so we are on the same page. We define worthy as showing the qualities or the abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. We explained it with an individual gaining admission into a, a higher you know, institution and a, fa a father bestowing a piece of property to his son after meeting certain requirements. So bringing this back to, to Jesus, the Lamb of God, the worthy Lamb of God, I, I think the best way to explain this is going through scripture, right? Um, try to use an analogy. So let's, let's, let's try and use scripture for the super spiritual, you know, people we have at, at Lighthouse Church, the, the Bible scholars. And uh, it's, a, it's a relatively long um, portion of the Bible, but um, personally, I, I think it does it justice. Uh, I think John, um, the beloved, does a... a a, a good job in explaining the whole idea of worthiness. So it's from Revelations chapter 5, from verse 1 to 10. Revelations chapter 5, from verse 1 to 10. And he reads, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll? Remember that. Who is worthy to open the scroll? So who has the ability to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Right? And verse 3 says, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So essentially, no one was worthy to do it, right? No one had the ability, no one had the quality uh, to merit this recognition. The recognition here is to open this scroll, right? And verse 4 says, So I wept much, and this is John speaking, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed, thank you, Jesus, to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Verse 6 says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, remember Jesus, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seal. Why? For you were slain. For you were slain 
and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And verse 10 says, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And we shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God, for he was slain. For he was slain. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2 verse 10, you know, also says, God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering. Remember our, our verse in, in chapter uh, verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says, counted worthy uh, through persecution, right? Worthy of his kingdom through persecution. Here too, he says, and it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering. What did he make him? A perfect leader, fit, so worthy to bring them into their salvation, fit to bring them into their salvation. If Jesus had a requirement, you know, for his balanced scorecard, if you want to say that, um, it was to bring God's children into glory. He is a perfect leader, fit to bring you and I into salvation. And, and the TPT translation puts it this way. It says Jesus was perfect through his sufferings. He was perfect through his sufferings. He was perfect through his sufferings. So it's like thinking back to the admission. Sometimes those exams feel like sufferings. He was perfect, perfect SAT score, perfect GMAT score, met all the qualities, showed that he had the ability to bring God's children into glory. And this is why we sing, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. He is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal, for he was not only perfect through his sufferings, he was also slain. Right, he died for you, he died for me. He's so, 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 Jesus is so, so worthy of our praise. You know, he met all the requirements. He met all the requirements, not just because he was the son of God, you know. Um, we can just say, yeah, he's the, what is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb because he's the son of God. But as pastor taught us, he met the requirements through communion and through submission. Through communion and through submission. Worthy. The whole idea of worthiness. <sighs> worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. It's been heavy on my heart for a bit. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. So going back to our phrase here, worthy of his kingdom, right? We've talked about the whole idea of worthiness. Now let's look briefly at kingdom, and I say briefly because I know as a church we've, we've you know, talked about this, as a family we've talked about this you know, a bit. But the idea of kingdom is all kingdoms have kings, right? You know, every kingdom has kings. They, they have their domain, right, kingdom, their domain that they rule over, right? And, and in a kingdom, the king's word is law, right? The king's word is law in a kingdom. So a king has a, a gov governing influence over a kingdom by impacting it with his will, purpose, and intent. And this is the catch here. With the goal of producing people or maybe citizens that express 
his way of life and reflect his nature. They express his way of life and reflect his nature. You know, Psalm 24 from verse 7 to 10, you know, clearly states that our Father, our Heavenly Father, he is the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, right? Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. So God is, is the King, is the King of glory, is the King of glory. He is the King of glory. Like I mentioned, you know, Paul in, in, in the text was talking to Christians, right? Because he says, we boast of you to other churches, of your patience and, you, and, and of your faith, right? So the kingdom here in NKJV, you know, it, it says it clearly. The kingdom here that we're talking about is the kingdom of God, where God's word is law. I'm not talking about, you know, the law of Moses. Uh, you know, so God's, God's word is law. He impacts us with his will. He impacts us with his purpose uh, and intent, right? With the with the goal of producing kings and priests. Remember, we read in Revelations 5.10, with the goal of producing kings and priests that reflect his nature, that reflect his nature. And one of the characteristics of, of God's kingdom is peace, right? You know, I just wanted to put that out there. It, it might be for someone. Is, is peace. One of the characteristics of God's kingdom is peace. Isaiah 2 uh, verse 4 talks about, you know, the Lord's future reign. You know, here we see the CEV translation says they will, they will never make war or attack one another, right? Peace, 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 peace. So going back to our text, right? Verse 5, I said I was going to read it a few times. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. So the question now is, you know, what are these abilities, what are these qualities that, that will make us merit recognition of being worthy of his kingdom? You know, what would this persecution produce in us, through us, right, that will make us, as Paul says, that will make us counted worthy of, of his kingdom? And, and I have two, maybe three points uh, to talk about here today. And I'm just going to dive straight into it. The first one is the ability to look upward. The ability to look upward. You know, my mom used to ask this question a lot um, when we were growing up, particularly to me. And um, I don't know about you, growing up in a Christian home, we used to go to, to you know, one form of church service or the other a lot, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, um, you know, Friday if there's a vigil, Saturday for practice, and then 7 a.m. on Sunday. You know, so we used to go a lot, right? And, and she used to ask the question, you know, when, when I have my, my ranting season, like, like I just want to play with my friends today um, instead of going. And she used to ask, ask the question in somewhat of a dif different context, but I, I believe it applies to our conversation today. She used to ask, in, 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 in our mother tongue, who are you dependent on? And I'm asking us that question today. Who are you dependent on? Because remember, my first point is, is that persecution, one of the things persecution produces or trials or tribulation does for us or produces 
in us is the ability to look upward. And when I mean look upward, is the ability to depend on God, the ability to depend on God. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And, you know, one, of the, one, one thing about kingdoms is that you have to be solely dependent on the king. You know, there's no option B. There's no option C. There's, there's, it's, it's option king. It's, that's it. That's about it. You know, what you have is what the king has given you. What you have is what the king has given you. So in the kingdom of God, God is our source. God is our source. And, and, and I, I really want to uh, try and explain this um, using a chart or a graph. Um, I promise it's not technical. It's actually psychological. So the, the Tollers and Hellens of the world will probably appreciate this. But I was introduced to this uh, a few months ago. I, I'm almost using it to explain everything. Um, but it's, uh, it's uh, you know, YX, Y-axis, X-axis graph, right? The, the Y-axis has uh, the challenge level. And I'm pretty sure the production team will put that up for us um, just so we, we can follow through and, and be on the same page with this. So the, the, the Y-axis has, you know, challenge level and it goes from low to high and then it has skill level and it goes from low to high as well. Right, and, and you know, just to explain this briefly, you know, if you're in a situation or you, you find yourself in a place where you're, the challenge is super high and, and your skill level just happens to be low, you know, what this graph is telling us is that that usually causes some form of anxiety, right? And you know, where you know, most of us like to be, challenge is low you know, your skill level is high and then you're in a form of relaxation. Or, you know, sometimes you just want to flow, right? Challenge is high, skill is high. You're just, you know, doing your thing, right? So that's just a brief explanation of this graph. Uh, the, 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 the good thing about Christians is, is that, you know, when the challenge level is really high, maybe even out of this chat, right? Super high, essentially becoming a spiritual um, situation. We know that we should run to God. Um, you know, we know that we should cry for help and, and whatnot. The, the, my challenge to us today is, is to always look up, even when the challenge is low, the skill level is low. Just have that attitude of total dependence on God. It's, it's a quality or it's ability that, you know, persecution can, can help or a trial can help. But taking it past that, because when you're in that situation, right, you know, you're solely dependent on God because <laughs> you've tried everything that you know. But I'm trying to challenge us today that our first approach is to be, to, to, to be totally dependent on God. And, and you might be in situations where, you know, the, 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 the challenge is just a two plus two, but still acknowledging that, Father, thank you for the wisdom that you have given me to, to know this, right? As part of our fast, we are reading... Uh, the book of Joshua, right? We, we know what happened with um, um, uh, Joshua against the battle of, of, of um, AII, right? You know, just that moment where he didn't inquire of the Lord, right? Because he had defeated this big, you know, Jericho city and, and, and things like that, right? So the challenge here is to be dependent, be totally dependent on God. David puts it well. In Psalm 121, verse 2, right? It says, my help 
comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. I, I, I want that to be our heart posture, right? To acknowledge that our help comes from the Lord, to be totally dependent on him. It's something that has been on my mind for months, for months. I've had conversations, you know, you know I'm just hoping to get to the stage where, you know, I see one plus one and I know for certain it's two, but I'm still like, Father, Lord, is this one plus one really two? Right? Just to be totally dependent on God, to be solely dependent on him. It's a characteristic of a kingdom, right? And as Christians, we are in the kingdom of God, and we need to be solely dependent on the King, on our Heavenly Father, on our Heavenly Father. The good thing is that we serve a God that understands every weakness of ours, right? Because he was tempted in every way that we are. He understands every weakness. So sometimes you're like, oh, maybe this is too little for God, or God is worrying about, you know, Hurricane Ida. Uh, my own case is he has the capacity for, for the little things, the big things. He, he, I think I mentioned this last time. He cares about every single detail of your life. Right in Leviticus, when, when he was describing how Moses should build the temple, it's the little, little details. And remember, we're at the temple of the Holy Spirit. Little, little, little details, you know, do this, do that, do that. And I believe that's the same posture that God has about our life. He cares about every single detail, every single detail about our life. So that's the first point, the ability to look upward, essentially to be totally dependent on our Heavenly Father. The second one that persecution does or produces in us is strong character. Strong character. Remember, in a kingdom, the king impacts the, the kingdom or the people with his will, his purpose, and his intent with the hope or with the goal of producing people that reflects his nature, right? With the hope of producing people that reflect his nature. We pray this prayer a lot um, at Lighthouse Church, that let the character of Christ be formed in me. Let the character of Christ be formed in me. Our character is so critical in our journey of life. It's, 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 it's essentially critical because... Um, you know, it's often said that your skill can get you through the door, um, but, but it's your character that keeps you there, right? Your skill can get you to the top, but it's your character that, that keeps you there. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've interviewed lately, or maybe you've interviewed people, most of the questions are usually behavioral questions, and, and what they're assessing is, is essentially your character, right? Can I work with this person? And I'm sure we, we know maybe one or two people that you, you're pretty certain that they probably have the solution to this situation you're, you're going through or whatever problem, might be school or, or something else. But, you know, that person's character just is just not it. And you'd rather, like, <laughs> almost die in the pain than reach out to that person that has the skill that you need. Right? Character is so, so critical. Character through persecution. That's another thing I want to emphasize through persecution because in 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us that tests, trials can reveal the genuineness of something. 
you know, in this instance, is talking about faith, right? So persecution, your trial, your tribulation can reveal the genuineness of your character, right? And what that does is, you know, it reveals something you are like, whoa, I didn't know I had that in me. And then you go to God and you, you pray, you know, our famous prayer, let the character of God be formed, be formed in me. Because some of us, we think we are kind. <laughs> uh, we, we think we are the nicest people ever. Um, you know, a personal story, uh, in terms of relationship, it is one of our values in, 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 in my family, relationships. Um, I, I think I'm okay. Um, I don't mind people. Uh, to be to to be honest, I, I bother on like you know being naive uh, in, when it comes to people, giving them the benefit of a doubt. Um, but in in the past year or so, I had a a, a group member in my MBA that let's just say was an interesting person, and you know my thoughts towards that person. I don't know if uh, they were good, <laughs> you know, I, and you know it, it just. It just, you know, got me thinking, right? You know, those kind of situations felt like a persecution, to be honest. Those kind of trials, you know, that reveal the genuineness of your character, right? And that is one of the ability or the quality that this can do for us that would enable us to be counted worthy of God's kingdom, worthy of God's kingdom. You can think about it this way, you know, you're... Yeah, you're dating someone and, you know, you go for a date because, you know, Lighthouse guys are super romantic. It starts from the top. You know, we're all romantic. You know, take your, your, your girl, your lady, you know, for a date. Uh, if you're like me, I already have, like, an estimate of, of how much I think I should spend, right? And, um, you know, my, my wife, Helen, she, you know, she, she was first out with, you know, big garlic shrimp. And um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's nice. And then she goes, you know, filet mignon, and can I please have a lobster tail with that? You know, and I'm just like, you know, maybe as an example, I'm thinking like, okay, we shouldn't probably not spend more than 100, 120 or whatever, example. And, you know, I start doing the quick math, right? And she's already at like, you know, 80 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> based on my quick math, I have only $40 left. So obviously the waiter comes to, to, to me after and he's like, do you want any drink? I'm like, no, drink water, please. And appetizer, that, that one is even, that's not even an option. So I'm like, you know, can, can I please have a, a, a chicken Alfredo pasta? Um, uh, maybe with no chicken, you know, hopefully, maybe they'll reduce or half the price in the menu. Uh, I digress a bit, but essentially, yeah, yeah, you're on a date, right? And, you know, God, God is gracious to you and y you, you suddenly have bad service. Right, you have bad service. The waiter isn't doing their job, and um, you know it happens, right? And the the guy or the girl just destroys the waiter, and you know just rips the person off. And, and honestly, at that moment, you know whichever one you are, the guy or the girl, you might just be thanking God, like you know, thank you for opening my eyes, thank you for this divine revelation, right? Because First Peter one seven, like I said test trials, you know, an empty stomach and a bad waiter can reveal the genuineness of something. It can reveal the genuineness of people's character. Romans chapter 5 from verse 3 to 4 says, we can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. The message translation says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know our troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert to whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. You know, as Helen said last week, how we treat people, it really matters. It really matters. And one of the things persecution does is gives us a character. It gives us that nature, that nature of Christ. Uh, I find this comparison interesting. Elisha versus Elijah. Elijah, shout out to Pastor. <laughs> Elisha was a double portion man, right? He had double the anointing of, of Elijah. And, and if you compare both of them, you know, Elijah was a, was a terror king. Um, the, the way I see it is, you know, the, the, the double portion of anointing had a level of grace in him versus Elijah, who was, you know, judgment called down fire and, and things like that, right? Uh, a level of, of grace. Uh, and, you know, again, God has made us kings. He's made us priests, right? And like I said, the word of the king is law. So imagine someone having a character um, that is not really aligned to the fruit of the spirit or to, to what God wants in our life and proclaims, you know, something unfavorable to someone's life, right? Because we have that authority. Um, I'm pretty sure I can share this publicly because PK has, uh, I think he said it was on a, you know, 40 day, maybe no food, no water type fast, praying for like priestly anointing or, or whatnot, right? And um, it just happened that, you know, he got uh, detained or, um, you know, in a police station and the, the, the police officer pretty much wasted his time, right? Wasted his time. And, you know, let's just say, you know, um, Grandad Paspique, you know, just, you know, greeted him. <laughs> he said a few things, right? Uh, and, you know, according to, to his story, you know, the Holy Spirit just spoke to him. It was like, <laughs> you want this, this power, this anointing. See what you just said about this man. Right, so it's it's so it's so important. But going back to the Elisha Elijah comparison, remember Elisha had the double portion anointing, right? And if you compare them, Elijah was a terror to a king. Elisha was a friendly commander of kings. He had that grace measure, that character, you know, aligned with the fruit of the spirit. Elijah was, you know, he was roasting soldiers. Elisha arrested his arresters. You know, Elijah fed a family and raised one dead. You know, this is the double portion here. Elisha fed a nation and raised two people from the dead. Right? Elijah placed a curse on the whole nation. But Elisha became the defender of the nation. 
So we see we see those comparisons, right? The double anointing, the the increase in the grace of God, right? Produces that strength in character, produces, you know, you are, you are less of, you know, the truth and, you know, a bit of a mixture. You know, Jesus came with grace and the truth, right? You are not just truth, you know, judgment and, and all that, you know, the double portion of anointing in Elisha's life. Yes, he did, did um, double the miracles that Elijah did, but if you also notice in the miracles, there was a grace dimension to them also, which I believe, you know, is, is part of that character of Christ that is being formed in him. The character of Christ that is being formed in him. Just because of our time, why does this all matter? Why does this all matter? Why, why does it matter for me to look upward? You know, why does it matter for me to have strong character um, or even persecution? You know, the, the, thing, the thing about it is persecution is part of our Christian walk. It is, it is part of our Christian walk. So, like I said, you know, at the introduction of this sermon, understanding, you know, why we are going through things or understanding the purpose or understanding what that thing can produce through us, it retains our hope or it gives us hope, right? And it helps us go through the situation as well, right? Because Psalm 34 verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The good news is that it delivers, the Lord delivers us from them all. So persecution is a part of our Christian work. So we need to understand that. We need to understand what persecution, what the trials, what the tribulations can produce through us, through us. Second thing quickly is that transformation is a requirement for a healthy spiritual work. We can't be stagnant. Um, we can't be stagnant. You know, one of my personal prayers is, is I don't want to be an you know, ordinary Christian. I don't want to be stagnant. Um, transformation is a requirement for a healthy spiritual work. Second Corinthians 3.8 says we go from glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. Proverbs 4 says our light shines brighter and brighter. It shines brighter and brighter. It shines brighter and brighter. It shines brighter and brighter. I pray, I pray as I wrap up that God gives us the ability and the grace to solely depend on him, to totally depend on him in every situation. The ability to always look upwards. I pray that the character, as we always do, we pray that the character of Christ be formed in each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.